Amen. Well, if you please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 22, and uh, verses 41 through 46. Our message series is called Jesus in Jerusalem. We're looking at the final week of Jesus' life in Jerusalem before he went to the cross. And uh, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at a number of these trick questions, right? The trick questions that the religious leaders kept bringing to Jesus, trying to trap Jesus in his words and use his words against them. And uh, we saw that Jesus answered all of their questions. He never fell into any of their traps. And in the process, he clarified a number of relationships for us. He clarified the relationship between God and government and, and the relationship between marriage and the resurrection last week. Uh, We saw how he clarified the relationship between love for God and love for neighbor and how those two work together. Well, when we come to today's passage, we've got another question, but this time the tables are turned because this time, instead of the religious leaders asking Jesus a question, Jesus asks them the question. And uh, so Jesus asks the Pharisees a question, and in his exchange with them, he's going to clarify one further relationship for us. This time it's the relationship between the Messiah and God, the relationship between the Messiah and God. So in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 41 through 46, will you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we uh, look into your word today, uh, it's, it's always fun to, to see you outsmart the Pharisees. But Lord, we, we want to learn what you have to say to us. Uh, Lord, uh, the Pharisees couldn't answer this question. But Lord, can we answer this question? And the Lord, if not, I pray that by the end of uh, this message this morning, you would help us to be able to answer this question, not simply with our minds, but in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So how many of you like puzzles or brain teasers or word games? I, we have, do we have any wordlers out there? Anybody play Wordle? That's the big new... I see a couple of you. That's the big new word game out there. Well, apparently Jesus loved puzzles in uh, word games because in today's passage, he unloads a whopper of one upon the Pharisees. As we've seen, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they've been taking turns, sort of tag-team wrestling, hammering Jesus with these questions, and so it only seems fair that Jesus gets to ask them one in return. And you'll notice Jesus' question is not a hypothetical question either. Remember the Sadducees and their crazy question about the seven brothers and one bride and, and just, just this wild hypothetical scenario, a question we saw that they asked in bad faith? You see, this is... This one from Jesus, this is not a hypothetical. This is a real, live question. It's drawn out of the Old Testament scriptures, and it is immediately applicable. And the reason why is this. Jesus has been presenting himself as the Messiah. 
the people have been proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah, and Jesus has been accepting their praise. And here in Jesus' question, he focuses, helps us to focus on the central issue. In other words, the, the, the important issue is not really about taxes or, or marriage or the resurrection. Those were all important. But the central issue, the central question is about the identity of the Messiah. Who is the Messiah? And is Jesus the Messiah? Is Jesus the son of David and the son of God? Now, we've already seen that Jesus won uh, rounds one, two, and three with the religious leaders, right? Now, in this final round, uh, he delivers the knockout punch uh, with his question. Uh, The structure of the passage is simple enough. Jesus questions the Pharisees, then Jesus challenges the Pharisees, and then finally, Jesus silences the Pharisees. There is an outline in your worship guide if you'd like to take that out to follow along. So we begin with Jesus' question, verses 41 and 42. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. I want you to notice a couple things here. First of all, notice how the Pharisees are all gathered together. They're gathered together. This continues our theme of opposition against Christ that we've seen throughout this whole section. It's also reminiscent of an early psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 2, where we read how the rulers uh, are gathered together against the Lord and his anointed one, Psalm 2, 2. And the word for gathered together there in Psalm 2, it's the exact same word that's used for gathered together here in Matthew 22. And we're going to see how uh, there's some other parallels between these passages But in Psalm 2, the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and his anointed one. Here the Pharisees are gathered together against Jesus. And Jesus asks them this question. Whose son is the Christ? Now the word Christ, that's just another word for Messiah. Okay? So Jesus is really, he's asking, whose son is the Messiah? And the word that's translated son in this verse, it's got a wider meaning than, than our word son in the English language. It can mean son. It can also mean descendant. Descendant. So Jesus is not necessarily asking, you know, who's the actual father of the Messiah, okay? No, he's asking uh, the line of descent. Uh, from whose line will the Messiah come? And you know what? It's, at least for the people in that day, it was an easy question, okay? It was supposed to be an easy question. In those days, everyone knew the answer to that question. But notice how Jesus makes it personal to them. He doesn't say, you know, whose who's son is Christ? He says, what do you think? Right? He makes it personal. What do you think about the Christ? What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Well, the Pharisees give the answer. Son of David. The Messiah will be descended from the line of David. And this goes back to God's promise to David in the Old Testament that the Messiah would come from his line. And we find this promise in a very famous passage, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. The Lord says, when your days are over, David, and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, once again, everyone knew this in those days, okay? Uh, This was common knowledge. This is straightforward Bible 101, easy stuff, easy question. Easy answer. But then Jesus steps it up a notch. 
Okay? Because now he's going to challenge the Pharisees with a new thought. Look at verses 43 to 45. He said to them, how is it then? Right? If, you know, they've said, you know, whose son is the Messiah? David's son. He says, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? So Jesus started off with the easy question, right? But now he's challenging them to think a little different, a little deeper. And and he's quoting here from uh, another famous psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 110. And he draws uh, several very startling thoughts from this passage. First of all, he establishes. He establishes that David calls the Messiah Lord. He asks him, he says, how is it that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? And then he tells them where David says that. He quotes directly from Psalm 110, where David says precisely this, Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, Psalm 110 is a very important chapter, not in the Old Testament, but in the New. And this verse is a very important verse, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New. In fact, Psalm 110 is the most frequently quoted chapter from the Old Testament in the New Testament. The New Testament quotes a lot of chapters. The one that's quoted the most, Psalm 110. New Testament also quotes a lot of individual verses from the Old Testament. You know what the most frequently quoted verse from the Old Testament is in the New Testament? This one, Psalm 110, verse 1. Very important verse. The whole psalm, Psalm 110, is what we call a messianic psalm. And that means it is a psalm that is specifically about the Messiah. And Jesus draws a startling point from this psalm. We've already seen everyone knows that the Messiah will be the son of David. And yet Jesus points out David also calls the Messiah Lord. Right in this psalm. He not only calls him Lord, he calls him my Lord. The Lord said to my Lord. And so he's not only David's Lord, Jesus says he will also, from this psalm, sit at the right hand of God. And so you you bring all these images together. He's, He's David's son, but he's David's Lord. He'll not only sit on David's throne, but he will sit on God's throne, right? At God's right hand, the place of highest honor. I mentioned Psalm 2 to you earlier, that psalm, that earlier messianic psalm where the rulers gathered together against the Lord in his anointed one. Well, the the word anointed one, do you know what that means? That means Messiah. It's the same word in Hebrew. Messiah. Against the Lord and his Messiah. And so the rulers gather together against the Lord and his Messiah in Psalm 2. The Pharisees are gathering against uh, Jesus and Matthew. And then the Lord says this to the Messiah later on in Psalm 2. He says, ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. That's exactly what we saw in Psalm 110, where uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And so far in all of this, all Jesus is doing is just quoting Scripture, okay? He's just quoting Scripture to them. These are verses that the Pharisees would all have been familiar with. 
And unlike the Sadducees, uh, uh, who we learned only accepted the first five books in the Bible as the word of God, right? Just the Pentateuch, the first five books. The Pharisees accepted all of it. So they're accepting the Psalms as scripture. And so Jesus establishes a number of things here. He says, David wrote these words in Psalm 110. Furthermore, David wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. David, speaking by the Spirit, said these words. David wrote these words about the Messiah. And so the Messiah is not just David's son, Pharisees, but he is also David's Lord. So Jesus quotes the scripture to them, and now he challenges them with the implications of that scripture. Because if David calls the Messiah Lord then how can the Messiah be David's son? Because the father is greater than the son. If David calls the Messiah Lord, he's bound to honor and obey him as Lord. But the son's supposed to honor and obey the father. How does this work out? If David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Now, there are two different words for Lord in Psalm 110. The first word is God's covenant name, Yahweh. Yahweh. The second word is Adonai, uh, which means Lord or Master. Both words are used of God in the Old Testament. And here in the New Testament, Jesus uses the same word, the same word for Lord twice here in Matthew. Jesus is essentially stressing that David was identifying the Messiah with the Lord God of Israel. Somehow the Lord said to my Lord, the Messiah is identified with the Lord, with Yahweh. Now, there's only one problem with that, right? There's only one God, right? There's only one Lord. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God, one Lord. God says in Isaiah 45.5, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. And then as we think about the Messiah being a descendant of David, Psalm 90 tells us that the Lord is the everlasting God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born or you brought brought forth the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So the Bible tells us there's only one God. There's only one Lord, and he has always existed throughout all generations. If David calls the Messiah Lord, then how can he be David's son? How can he be a descendant who will be born into this world at some time in the future? The Lord God has always existed through all generations. This is the challenge that Jesus springs in the Pharisees. And there's really only one answer to this puzzle, okay? If you play Wordle, right? There's only one answer when you get to the bottom. Only one answer. And there's only one answer here. The Messiah must be both the son of David and the son of God. It's the only way it works here, right? He must have a human origin as the son of David, as a descendant of David. He must have a divine origin as the son of God. And so here Jesus is really presenting the Pharisees with the doctrine of the incarnation, that God became man. Now, we've already seen from the scriptures, okay, from the scriptures that the Messiah would be the son of David. So here's a question. Is there any scriptural precedent that the Messiah would also be the son of God? In other words, the Old Testament tells us the Messiah will be the son of David. Does the Old Testament also tell us in any way that the Messiah will be 
the Son of God. In other words, could the Pharisees maybe have seen this coming if they'd looked at the right verses and studied them and interpreted them correctly? And the answer is yes. The Old Testament does speak of the Messiah as the Son of God. In fact, the, the Old Testament speaks of it in the two places we've already gone in the Old Testament. 2 Samuel 7 and Psalm chapter 2. 2 Samuel 7, that's that famous passage where God promised David that the Messiah would be one of his descendants. And we looked at verses 12 through 13 earlier. We said, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. He's the one who will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That was verses 12 and 13, but we didn't get to verse 14 yet. Because then in verse 14, God follows it up by telling David this. That Messiah I just told you about, I will be his father, and he will be my son. It's right there in 2 Samuel 7. All along, the very initial prophecy that the Messiah would come from the line of David, God also says concerning the Messiah, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And then Psalm 2, that other famous messianic psalm, the one which speaks about the rulers gathering together against the Lord and his Messiah, and then the Messiah defeating all of his enemies and ruling over the nations. Well, we skipped over a verse there too, because in verse 7, the Messiah speaking says this, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. So yes, there is biblical precedent for this idea that the Messiah will not only be the son of David, but he will also be the son of God. That's the biblical precedent. How about historical precedent? Do we have any historical precedent as to who that person may be? Is there anybody in history who fulfills the qualifications, son of David, son of God? There is only one person in history who fulfills those qualifications as the Messiah. That person is Jesus. Jesus was born into this world through the line of David, just as it was prophesied in Scripture. Therefore, he truly is the son of David. But he is also the eternal son of God who took on flesh and became man. Therefore, he is truly Lord. So here in Matthew 22, Jesus is just, he's challenging the Pharisees with this, right? He's challenging the Pharisees about the Messiah's identity. But later on, just a few chapters away, Matthew 26, and just a few days away from this incident, Jesus will affirm that he himself is the Messiah. In fact, he will even say that he is the Son of God who fulfills the words of Psalm 110. It takes place at his trial. We read in Matthew 26, verses 63 and 64. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ. Who's the Christ? Son of David, right? right tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. It's right there, Son of David. Son of God, Jesus, are you the son of David, son of God? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one. There's Psalm 110, isn't it? Right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. And so here Jesus affirms that he is the Christ, the son of David. He affirms that he is the son of God. He affirms that he is the fulfillment of the Messiah in Psalm 110 who sits at the right hand of God. 
The book of Romans in the New Testament also confirms Jesus as both son of David, son of God. We read in Romans 1, 3 and 4, Jesus, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, there's the first part, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. David called the Messiah, my Lord. We call Jesus our Lord. David calls the Messiah Lord. How can he be his son? Only one answer. The Messiah must be both the son of David and the son of God. And there's only one person. There's only one person in all of history who is descended from David, showing that they were the son of David and who rose from the dead three days after they were buried, proving that they were the son of David. Of God. Jesus is the Messiah who was prophesied in Psalm 110. So Jesus questions the Pharisees, Jesus challenges the Pharisees, and then finally Jesus silences the Pharisees. Look at verse 46 with me now. No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. No more trick questions. They're done. They're out of here, okay? Now, the Pharisees, they're smart people, okay? They're smart. You don't get to be a Pharisee without years of training and instruction in the scriptures. They also apparently loved to talk uh, because they were coming to Jesus asking him all of these questions, and they had no trouble uh, answering uh, his first question. That was the easy one, right? Whose son is the Messiah? The son of David. They answered that one easily. But they were either unable or unwilling to answer the challenge question Jesus asked them. Unable or unwilling, if David calls the Messiah Lord, how can he be David's son? So which do you think it was? Do you think they were unable to answer the question? Or do you think they were unwilling? You know, it could really be either one, right? It could be they were unable to grasp the concept of God's son becoming man. I, I'm, I'm willing to accept that. That's a pretty hard concept to grasp. Or it could be they were simply unwilling to accept that Jesus could be God's son. Either way, Jesus silenced the Pharisees with his challenge question. No one dared to ask him anything else. Jesus had already won, right? Rounds one, two, and three. And now he wins round four with his knockout question about the Messiah. The questioning may be over, but the conflict is far from over. Jesus is about to unleash on the Pharisees his strongest words ever in the very next chapter, Matthew 23, Uh, We're going to be looking at this chapter next week as Jesus pronounces seven woes upon the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He exposes their hypocrisy, and sadly, he condemns them to hell. And of course, this is going to set up the final conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders where they're going to come after him. And it ends with Jesus going to the cross to suffer and die for our sins. Let me tell you something. Jesus silenced the Pharisees. But the Pharisees could not silence Jesus. They tried, didn't they, right? They tried to silence him with all of their trick questions. 
but they failed miserably. Next, they will try to silence him by putting him to death on the cross. That usually works, doesn't it? That's a good way to silence someone. But they will fail miserably here also when Jesus rises from the dead on the third day. Jesus silenced the Pharisees. No one silences Jesus, not even in death. Jesus began our passage today by asking the Pharisees a question. He said, what do you think? Right? He asked them, he said, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Well, God asks you and me the same question today. He asks us, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? Whose son is he? Now, we know he was the son of David. Okay, that's simply historical fact. We have his genealogy. No one ever questioned it. So we know he's the son of David. The bigger question is, do you believe Jesus is the son of God? That's the game changer, right? Because if Jesus is the son of God, then that changes everything. If Jesus is the eternal son of God, who became a man so that he could die on the cross for your sins, then you need to make a decision today, don't you? Will you trust him as Savior so that your sins may be forgiven? Will you glorify him as God and give him your worship and praise? Will you obey him as Lord and submit to his authority? Who is Jesus? He is the son of David. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah and Savior of the world. Who is Jesus and how will you respond to him? That is the question before you today. And it's the most important question you will answer in your life. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, we thank you for this amazing passage where, Lord Jesus, where you unfolded to us Uh, the glories and the wonders of who you are as you showed us how you fulfilled Psalm 2 and Psalm 110 and 2 Samuel 7. Lord, you fulfilled all of the promises of the Old Testament. You are God. You are Lord. You are Christ. You are Messiah. David called you his Lord. I pray that we may call you our Lord this morning. And God, if there's anybody here who has never answered that question for themselves, who is Jesus? Lord, I pray that today would be the day they would come and say, I confess Jesus is Lord. I confess he is the Son of God. I confess that he died on the cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I give my life to you. And I ask that you will save me. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, God will save you. His Holy Spirit will come into your heart and life. And you will become a new creation in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.